Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Instead of playing that, you should have been dynamic and known that we had a Demon Deacon alum coming on along with the Demon Deacon that hosts this show. You should have had the Wake Forest fight you know, song fired up. It's funny you mentioned that. I thought the same thing, but yeah. no, we got to go but with Billy Joel. But of course, we know that he's not going to do that you know, because <laughs> he stays hating on the Demon Deacons, okay? Uh, but joining us now, West Point Athletic Director, former MLB pitcher, also former Wake Forest Demon Deacon, Mike Buddy joins us. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. It's the uh, the calm before the storm. It's it's cool to have so many outlets here, and I appreciate you guys covering us and giving me the opportunity to meet with you. Now, for one tomorrow, so much is on the line. The winner of this game will move to 500, and there's always so much at stake in this football game. How excited are you for this contest to kick off? Well, this is this is uh, this is our Super Bowl bowl game championship. You know, bar mitzvah, birthday party, all rolled into one. Right? I mean, it's. <laughs> And, and what I love, it, getting to 500 is awesome. But if we can find a way to win the football game, we get the Commander-in-Chief trophy. And, and that, whether you're 2-10 and 10 or 10-2, and 2, that's, that is a priority at, at any of the academies. So, you know, we put ourselves in a position by, by winning uh, out in Colorado earlier in the season. But we've got we've to take care of business tomorrow to, to bring that trophy back where it belongs. Yeah, and you were a three-year letterman as a pitcher for Wake Forest, drafted in the fourth round by uh, the New York Yankees. So you're familiar with ACC sports. I'm sure you've been to plenty of football and basketball games. How does this uh, type of deal differ when you talk about the commander-in-chief trophy and just the rivalry that this is compared to uh, ACC matchups that we uh, romanticize? Yeah, um, that's a, that's actually a really good question. You know, obviously we're going to play in front of, of 70,000 fans tomorrow. This game sold out every year. Um, but it's a unique spectacle. If, if you don't get what this game is about, I've had friends say, oh, you know, the offense is boring and it's four yards by the fullback. And so, yeah, it's not it's not uh, Florida State Clemson at the, you know, the, the peak of their offensive prowess. Um, most of the young men on these rosters didn't have any other Division One offers to play football, um, but they fight like hell on every play. Um, and, and it's just a uh, it's an opportunity to showcase true competition against really comparable institutions, right? We're, we're Demon Deacons. We had 4,000 students, and, you know, we're trying to compete against some of these behemoth schools that are now paying athletes and, you know, doing all the things that you're allowed to do now. Um, what's unique about Army-Navy is none of them are getting name, image, and likeness. None of them are taking online classes. None of them have a fifth year of, of eligibility. And so, it, to me, it's kind of like a throwback to what college athletics used to be. Um, and I'm not saying that's necessarily good or bad, but, but it's unique now in this day and age. But they're just going to battle each other for a couple hours and, and fight like hell to get that victory. 
That's Mike Buddy, West Point AD, joining us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline for Wes and Walker, again live from Media Row for the Army-Navy game. Mike, you led Furman's athletic program before heading up north here to West Point, and you've served four years now in your fifth year. My question is, what's it like being the athletic director of Army compared to holding the same position at another university that's not affiliated with the military? Well, it's a privilege, to be honest with you. And, and I'm going to be like, right, there's plenty of challenges, right? It's hard to meet with young, talented athletes in today's world and convince them to, to sacrifice at least five years of their, their lives to serving their country. Um, but fortunately for us, and, and I wasn't one of them, fortunately for us, there are a lot of young people who, uh, through whatever circumstances or their upbringing, that, that have the education and the physical requirements, and they choose this. And so... Uh, I learn something every day. I'm surrounded by colonels and generals who have committed their lives to being fit and being disciplined. And, you know, I'm a I'm a goofy kid from Cleveland who got to pitch at Wake Forest. And so I don't know. I didn't know anything. I didn't know the difference between a captain and a colonel when I took the job. But but you learn it quickly. And, and what we all have in common is that we we have a job for one reason is because the cadets that, that we work for. And so I approach my job every day is it's my job to give these young people an extraordinary experience because upon graduation, they're going to find themselves in Afghanistan and Kuwait and all these places that, that some scary things happen. And so we want to provide them memories that will sustain them through those times. Oh, Mike, you're clearly a smart guy. Here you are feeling like an outsider, not knowing the differences in rank and what in that all entails. And here you are with the opportunity to become the AD at this program. What was that like when you had that opportunity? And, man, how seriously did you consider turning it down because of maybe that kind of, um, I, I don't know, feeling like an outsider that is so different between these universities and what you would call, I guess, quote-unquote, normal normal yeah. programs? Civilian institutions, we right. call them. Yeah, yeah those civilians, so, yes. I mean, you're dead on. I did turn the, I turned down the opportunity to interview at first, and, and the search firm, to their credit, kind of came back to me and said, listen, they know you don't know the difference between a captain and a colonel. They, they don't care. And so I met with a three-star general who was a superintendent at the time. Uh, he's now a four-star general running the, uh, the operations in Africa and Europe. And those are the kind of people I got to hang out with. And I remember sitting in his office and I said, sir, I don't want to offend you and, and so many of others who have served this country by not knowing the protocol. And he said, I don't, I don't give a crap about that. He's like... Can you, you think everybody at West Point knows the difference between a captain and a colonel, but none of us know how to negotiate an apparel deal. None of us know what the NCAA rules are, let alone how to hire a new basketball coach. And, and we just hit it off. And so, you know, again, it was a, it was a, a steep learning curve. I'm still learning. There are, you know, unique challenges. We don't get to work with our, our big men at 10 o'clock on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Like they're in class or they're studying for the military obligations. And so there are unique nuances, but in, in the big picture of where where college athletics is right now, I just feel blessed to be in this position. And there are problems, but they're not big problems. And so, Mike, when you look at the journey of this team this season, they go two and one, and then they lose five in a row before winning their last three. And it seems like that game at Air Force that is also a huge matchup for you guys seemed to light a fire under this team as they've won three in a row now. So what was it like seeing them make that transition, and how much do you think that will bode well for them tomorrow? Well, again, that's the beauty of Army-Navy, right? I mean, if you're if you're at Wake Forest and you're one and six and you're already eliminated from bowl games, like it's time to start playing the young people and seeing what your freshmen can do. And so we're we were in a unique position that even though the the early part of the season hadn't gone as we wanted, uh, we had we had a new offensive coordinator. We were installing a new offense, 
um, we still had Air Force and Navy on our schedule, and that, that keeps people engaged. It keeps you working hard. Our staff, to their credit, you know, kept tweaking that offense until it worked. There's some head-scratching losses that we had in there. We had a lot of turnovers in some of those games, and then everything clicked against Air Force. You know, we forced six turnovers, beat a, beat a really good team by 20 points uh, in Colorado, and so we've been able to maintain that momentum coming through to uh, tomorrow. And so I've got to ask you, as you being a Wake baseball alum, how proud are you of how far that program has come? Well, uh, extremely proud, and, and Tom Walter does a phenomenal job. I was in Omaha. I'm actually on the NCAA baseball committee, so I was at the World Series, and, you know, LSU and Wake Forest had both national championship caliber teams, two of the better teams I've seen in a decade, and uh, I love that he's built it to last, and they're going to be really good again this year. All right, so, Mike, yeah, here we are kind of going into your baseball career. You won a World Series. You won in 1998 with the New York Yankees. What was that experience like for you? And I got to know, where's the ring? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, the ring is in my nightstand. And okay. I shouldn't say that because the back door is unlocked for our dog walkers. Um, but you I don't say your address. I live at West Point, right? Okay. I mean, you don't lie, cheat, or steal. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. You can say it and still feel just yeah. fine. You got to get by the MPs uh, at the gates. But, I mean, it's it's what you would expect it to be, right? I was a five-year-old kid in Cleveland, Ohio. I told my parents, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a Major League Baseball player. And to their credit, of course, they were like, yeah, I'm sure you are, buddy, but, you know, still maybe go to school just in case. Um, and then, you know, you wake up and you, I, I put in a lot of time and a lot of hours and suffered through a lot of bad outings to, to finally get to the to the big leagues. And my timing was great. The 98 team, you know, won 125 games and won the World Series. And it was a special time. And, you know, and I feel like, you know, I got to play for the New York Yankees, who I consider America's team in Major League Baseball. And now I'm now I'm a part of America's team in college athletics. And I, I just feel lucky to be, have been in this position. All right, I have two real quick baseball questions. One, what's your best strikeout? Who's the hitter you struck out that you're most proud of? Yeah, Mark McGuire yeah. On, on the 4th of July nice. in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on the date. You knew the date. Nice. You know what time? What was the weather like that day? That's what I want to uh, know. I can't recall exactly. <laughs> Partly sunny, 80, 82. Uh, perfect. Perfect. You can at least act like you know. Here's what I really wanted to ask you, though, because I was looking into the stats. You had six at-bats in your career. <laughs> You got one. I did. You, you, you got a hit against the Pirates in 2001. So where does that rank among all of your accomplishments? And who was it off? Tell us about the hit that you recorded just once in your pro career. Well, I hardly remember, if I have to be honest. Um, I'm kidding. It was yeah. my third at bat of the yeah, year. Yeah, I'm not I'll, buying it. Also a partly cloudy day, about 72 degrees. <laughs> uh, Bronson Arroyo was the pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates, went on to, to play for the Boston Red Sox. and. You know, pitchers, we're, we're gentle to each other, right? We throw the ball down the middle and just hope that you ground out. And I happened to hit a line drive up the middle. But, you know, I hadn't – I graduated from high school in 1989, and, and that was the last time I, I batted in a game until I'm in the major leagues in 2001, uh, facing a little bit better pitchers than I saw in high school. And so it was – it was funny, but it was cool. I got a couple bunts down, but I got the hit off of Arroyo back then, and, and then I came around to score on a, a yep. Richie Sexton hit a home run. I got to hit, touch all the bases, and oh, that weird swing and everything. Yeah, Richie Sexton. Yeah, great memory. But but it's it's my number one memory of all time. It's more important than my my children's births and my my wedding yep. and all those things. <laughs> understandable. I'm kidding. All understandable. We're, we're deleting that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not live. All right. Well, Mike, we appreciate it. That was Mike Buddy joining us, West Point Athletic Director, former MLB. 
pitcher, World Series champion, and yeah. Wake Forest alum. Most importantly, we appreciate your time. Thank hey, you. Go Deeks, beat Navy. That's right, baby. Let's take go. that Bronson too. That's what I heard. Him. I heard he said it under his breath. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Walker, yeah, man, it, just another great guest for us. And when we come back on the Wesson Walker Show, we're going to talk a little bit of Panthers and Saints. Get in a little bit of that before Rich DeMarco joins us, the Army play-by-play announcer. So that should be a lot of fun, along with all the other guests that we've had. Keep it locked to the Wesson Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's Wesson Walker back on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're live from Media Row at the Weston in Boston, Massachusetts. It's going to be the Army-Navy game we attend tomorrow, kickoff at 3. But I don't know if you checked out the schedule all that much, Wes. We're going to be there all day. Oh, yeah. It's going to be an all-day affair. They got a Heisman watch party going on at night, man. So it's going to be a day full of sports and full of fun. 12 o'clock, I believe, is when we'll arrive close to it. Kickoff is at 3, but as you've heard a lot of people discuss, the pageantry before kickoff is something to take hold of. And then afterwards, same thing. I think we get back at like 7.30, something like that. So it's going to be an all-day affair, and it's going to be really exciting and something so that we get sure to you get check up, off so the bucket list. have some lemon ricotta pancakes before we Yeah, go. I think we're going over there around 10.30 is the shuttle, and so I'll definitely have some time, especially no podcast. Uh, you know, no, don't have to talk about the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> so no podcast tomorrow, so I'll definitely have enough time to do that, the lemon ricotta pancakes. When you told me that, I was like, yeah. what? Yeah, man, it's good eating down there. Can I ask you a weird question? Yes. All right. I don't know what it says about our show that this is not the first time that I brought this up, but it's been a while. So mm-hmm. I'll ask it again for anybody that has not heard me ask this question. Who's the most famous person you've ever peed next to? <laughs> Let us know. Carolina Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. I always went with Michael Collins, the golf analyst for ESPN that was at Quail Hollow for the Wells Fargo Championship. Um, Keenan Reynolds just did that. I, I'm sorry, Keenan. This is weird. It's unprofessional, but that, you know. That just happened. It's weird, too, being a couple of stalls over or a couple of urinals over and having just interviewed the guy. Yeah. And also, but that's what happened, Wes. I don't know if anybody comes to mind if uh, I ask you that question. Yeah, I guess 
to this point, just thinking about it in my head, I guess when I used to do Hornets, Dale Curry came in there at the same time I did. Okay, no, but see, you remember, though. Yeah. I just want, you know, it's you remember. Like, it's <laughs> Dale Curry, so Dale Curry's probably one. Let's get some of these out. We see, this is, I knew the text line would come through for me. Jack said Mike Minter. Orso wrote in Frank Thomas. Big hurt. Okay. That's a that is Did he give him a bottle of uh, what's that stuff? Eugenics. Yeah, eugenics. <laughs> that, She'll like it too. That big old neck. That big old head, Frank Thomas. Oh, 704 number says Scarface from the ghetto boys. See, Scarface has one of those oh, names. You whoa. just have to say the name. You don't even need to know uh, that it was the ghetto boys, even though I do like him giving them some love as well. Um, we have a bunch. It, see? Tom I, Cruise. The, we got a Tom Cruise the, text. You, I don't know if anybody can beat Tom Cruise. Now that I said that, somebody's going to lie. Maybe Tom Cruise is a lie, but please. That would be Mission Impossible, wouldn't it? Company, it would restaurant be. by UNCC while filming Days of Thunder. That sounds pretty legit. Okay, no, it does. It's a good story. It does absolutely sound legit. Well, we got a Ben Coates reference at the golf course. Yeah, he, he did because he went to, um, oh, I forgot what's the HBCU that's right up in Salisbury. He went there. Okay. Livingstone, I think. Oh, okay. He did. did he really? I didn't know I that. I think so. Uh, we have a Jimmy Johnson, the NASCAR driver. We have Greg Olson. We have Scarface from the Ghetto Boys is a cool one. It is. I don't know. I, I guess it's weird to say. This is all very weird, but it's also a funny conversation. Uh, we have Matt Harvey. We have uh, Dick Vitale at a Yankee playoff game in the 1990s. That's awesome, yeah. baby. Yeah, that's awesome. We're taking a pee right next to each other. It's diaper day. I don't need a diaper, baby. He's a prime time peer. <laughs> <laughs> that does bring a new meaning to PTP. Oh, it absolutely does. Uh, we're scrolling. We're scrolling. We got some baseball pitchers in here. Jake Peavy also on the list. They got a Ric Flair from the 704 number. Dale Jr., Tyler Hansborough. Steve Smitty. Uh, also, here's one, too. The baby at the club. Oh, wow. That happened one time. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of that, uh, that reminds me of the most uh, – I remember going to Sweet back in the day. Yes. And uh, Hurricane Chris was there unexpectedly. Okay. And he's the guy, if you don't know, hey, babe, hey. That's the only time I randomly saw a rapper, though, okay. at, a, at a club. And so that was a fun experience as well. You can let him roll on in. We'll try to read as many text messages as we can before we actually get to Rich DeMarco, the play-by-play announcer for Army. I don't want him here in this combo. I want to have some professionalism. And so we can keep this combo <laughs> hidden from him just a little bit. Uh, let's go back to some Carolina Panthers discussion, just trying to fit some more of that in there. Going back to Matt Burke and Ross Tucker, who joined us at 145, saying how surprised he was. I, I, I am interested with some of the national analysts that we bring on. Some listeners were a little frustrated by maybe the lack of knowledge that he has. Look, you can only cover so many teams. I, I usually give national analysts a little bit of a break on that. But he was surprised. And I do think that most national analysts are surprised about just how bad this season has gone for the Panthers. I, we are. We cover the team all the time. Part of that might be some homerism baked in, but not for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I only thought that after I saw what was yeah. happening in the preseason. But before that, I thought the Panthers had a really good shot to make some real noise in the NFC South. I thought so, too. At least competing for it. It, it. Even if you didn't have them as the favorite, you could understand that New Orleans has Derek Carr, who at that point had been by far the most accomplished quarterback in the NFL. So it would be Derek Carr. It would be the Saints, older but still a very talented defense. You could see them going up there. I know a lot of other national NFL analysts really like the Atlanta Falcons if Desmond Ritter 
could be competent at the QB spot because they had so much talent. Their defense had been much improved. So, okay, if Carolina finishes third, it's not like I would be surprised about that. But I did expect them to throw way more of a fight up there. And here they are with one win. We don't expect them to win another game. If they do, it might just be a two-win season for this team. It goes to show just how everything that could go wrong damn near did go wrong. You have the Houston game. That's it. But other than that, Wes, everything else was so bad that Frank Wright couldn't last 12 games. Yeah, and, you know, people do accuse some of you guys of homerism. And for me, we know that my thoughts and feelings on the Panthers. So I genuinely thought that this was going to be a team. I did not expect this offensive line to regress the way that they had. I thought Bryce Young was going to have a much better rookie season, and I thought the defense would be solid, and they've proven to be that. But I thought that this was going to be a competent offense. I didn't expect them to be one of the highest scoring units in the league, but I thought that they would be middle of the pack. But to see what has gone down, in my estimation, is far beyond uh, what I thought until after I got to see a little bit of that offensive line play in the preseason. And I thought what Ross said about Icky, I think that's going to be one of the big, big decisions yep. of this offseason as far as how they handle this because I don't think that he can be your left tackle going forward. And oh, so, so you're course, moving him. You're done. Like you're moving Yeah, him I, I don't think he could be the left tackle going forward. With the type of season that he's had and then with everything we knew coming in with how much help he needed to get in that rookie season and got worse this year year he's too much of a liability on that left side I think you either have to transition him to that left guard spot or that right tackle spot if you move off of Taylor Moten the the problem is I I don't know what the free agent market bears at left tackle but usually the teams that have a good one are going to take care of that guy as much as they possibly can and so if you find one in free agency maybe you can find a veteran that you can either that's serviceable and that's the sad part about how far he's falling is that if you can just find a guy that's serviceable it's going to be an upgrade yeah and and if they don't find that person if they don't because they just don't have a lot of left tackles out there if you're not going to draft one in the first round i don't i I really hope for icky's sake that the 33 overall selection isn't better at left tackle than what icky is and so you're not going to put that guy over on the left side to protect bryce's blind side it might just have to be icky again that's why i don't know if I'm there 100% yet to say, hey, it's time. you got to move him inside. We do have some games that still show that he is competent enough. The bad ones have been real bad. He's been up and down. But that's not to say that he hasn't had his ups, though. You know, if it was bad, Chandler Zavala, you know, not many ups, okay? You can't say it's an up and down season if you don't have any ups. It's a down season, and there has not been anything else that you could point to and say, I trust him. With Icky, there have been some of those games. But it is inconsistent to the point where you have to consider it, Wes. And I know you're already even there. So depending on what you can find in free agency, depending on what you're going to be able to do in the NFL draft and see what happens in some of these offseason training camp battles, I, I, I would put money down that Icky will be the starting left tackle. I, I, I know you're not saying that that should happen, but I do think that ends up uh, being the case once we go into the next season. Yeah, um... If, if that's the case, he's going to have a lot to prove over these next few games. You oh, talked yeah, there's about no the grades, the up that, and yeah. down. Yeah, he's had a high, according to pro football focus, against Chicago with that 78.4 and against Detroit with that 76. But I just think that when you talk about a guy out there with what you've seen in some of this uh, pass protection, 
this season. And you look at the sacks, he's given up seven sacks according to PFF. Five hits, 18 hurries, 30 pressures uh, out there. I just don't know that this is a guy that you could trust because they already knew those deficiencies in that rookie year where we talked about how much help he had to get and how they masked it. And then now you're talking about the type of season that he's had this year. And I'm just thinking that and I'm along with Ross. I think he would be a really good guard. I think that it's uh, certainly a position that I think he could do a little bit better with pass protection. And I also think if you bring in a new head coach that has a different running scheme, I'm, I still think he's capable of doing zone blocking and things of that nature. But I think if he can just line up and just really overpower people, that's his strength. That's the strength of his game. If Iki Iquanu moving to guard or not is the biggest question that the Panthers have to answer, what's the next biggest? What's the next biggest? Because, and I don't mean we have to decide if Bryce Young really has it. All right, I don't want the obvious stuff. I, um, I, we know you got to invest in yeah, the QB. Yeah, it's going to be the the least the one to two other guys that you add into that offensive line because you're going to need to plug in, in my opinion, at minimum two more new linemen. I mean, you get Brady Christensen back next year, which that would be interesting if you did decide to move Icky to left guard. But I think after that, it's got to be who's going to fill in the interior of this because I don't think you can go forward with those guys either. I think that you really need oh, to. Oh, you've got to get, yeah. Yeah, this free agent class is chopped with a lot of offensive linemen, and everybody's not going to re-sign with their team. So I think you need to at least add one uh, signature free agent on that offensive line and then add a, a high draft choice off of what you have available to you, more than likely that second-round pick. If you've got a lineman sitting there that you feel like can be a day-one starter and a real player for you, I think you've got to go with that with your first pick, that 33rd pick. I know you're not going to be in favor of this, and I'm not saying they should do this either, but what is weird about the two guys on the left side for a healthy, normal starting five, we've seen good football from Brady Christensen on the blind side and pass protection specifically. Matt Rule infamously did not want to put him out there because he had short arms but he was an athlete was tested at he was a crazy athlete at that spot if you measure what he did at the combine and that was enough for them to take him in the third round is there any scenario where you switch those guys like does brady christensen go to the outside it seems weird because that I, I would love to know how many times it's ever happened in yeah. the nfl i'm sure it's not unique to carolina yeah. but Brady Christensen being the athletic guy, Icky being the strong bulldozer of an offensive lineman, I, do you even maybe, mess with that? Maybe if you feel really good about it, you take Christensen and put him at the right guard, slide Icky in at left guard, or if you want to go with Icky at the right tackle, yeah. and leave Christensen at left guard. Uh, but, again, maybe that first pick needs to be a center. Or if there's, like I said, there's a tackle sitting there that you feel excellent about. Uh, but I think the Panthers will have a chance to address those needs, especially on the offensive line via free agency uh, and the draft. But it's got to be of the highest priority, and they need to go after it with the vigor as if they were trying to find their franchise quarterback. Um, let's go to 704's number on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. They write in, this is what we need, guys. Left tackle, <laughs> right guard, left guard, QB, center. <laughs> Center, two to three wide receivers, linebacker depth, tight end, cornerback, <laughs> GM scouting of department, press, president of football operations, <laughs> complete new coaching staff, defensive line, other than Brown and Burns. That's a tall order. You're going to be gone that, all day doing all that shopping. No, but after that, you're good. After that, that's all you got to get. Just a couple of things. 
I can't point to anything there and say I disagree with it, though. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the part about it. I could. It I wish feels I could. like, and I'm going to say maybe this is not a bold prediction, but I do feel like that T. Higgins is probably going to end up in a Carolina Panthers okay. uniform. I just kind of feel bold. pretty I mean, strong that he's going to end up. Because I don't think Cincinnati's going to pay him with, with Chase coming up, what they're already paying Burrow. We know when that quarterback money starts to kick in, guys got to take a hike. And so I don't think that T. Higgins is going to be back with them going forward. And I think the Panthers would be a mighty attractive destination for him. Well, I also wonder if Cincinnati is just tired of not being able to produce a good enough offensive line. It's like, okay, we got to the Super Bowl without a great one. We went out, we got Orlando Brown, yeah, fine enough, but still it's never been a strength for this team. T, we can't pay you. It's time to go protect our QB that we lost and pretty much ended our season to compete for a championship. Don't pay T. Higgins and instead invest that money up front. And I think he wants to be a one. And he knows that coming to Carolina, he's going to be the guy. And so I think that that's going to also be another real temptation for him to be able to come here. Uh, Jack on the text line says they need to write a blank check to Mike Evans. Uh, we'll see. I think Mike Evans is probably at the point in his career he wants another sniff at a championship. Uh, T. Higgins has still got a lot of time to be able to do so. You can still build with a young man like that. But I think with Mike Evans, he's going to be looking more so towards a contender. Yeah, Mike Evans would be nice to have, too, even if he's been a foe for so long. It would be nice. By the way, I do wonder just how much T. Higgins is going to get paid because even when he was out there on the field with Joe Burrow, it's somewhat of a down year. And Jamar Chase has been the guy after not a great start the first two games, I believe, really started to play well. But 30 receptions for T. Higgins right now, just a couple of touchdowns on the season. I believe he got hurt, if I'm not mistaken, but also just hasn't been producing at a high level, had the eight game uh eight reception game against buffalo but other than that oh it did have one against baltimore other than that three straight games with just two catches not anything more than 20 yards it, it's definitely not been as productive a season as we've seen from him in years past yeah he, he dealt with a little bit of injuries but brad spielberger pro football focus uh released his projections and he's thinking that he's gonna sign a deal for a year deal worth 97 million about 24.25 yeah. per season is what he's got t higgins tab for and I think that's I think that's pretty reasonable considering the type of player that he is. Yeah, I don't see that and think, oh God, that's an awful contract. Yeah, it's it's a lot, but I don't see that and think, oh, there's no way he's worth it. I don't know if there would be a lot of arguing. Maybe once people evaluate this season how it's gone, but I don't think I, I look at over 24 million a year and think, man, there's no way I wanted to dish that kind of contract out to a wide receiver but it's going to be the wide receivers on the outside. And one thing about this team is you're not going to have DJ Chark. He already signed just a one-year deal. Terrace Marshall, I can't imagine, is on the team next year. He's going to get cut. If not, you know, just move on. He's going to get cut. So Terrace gone. Jonathan Mingo is going to be here. I don't know about Adam Thielen just because I don't know if Adam Thielen wants to be here yeah, as much. Yeah, his comments anymore. the other day sounded yeah. a lot like a veteran who wants to go somewhere where he's got a chance to win. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past him staying here, but also it seems like it might take some convincing from the front office, whoever that may be. And maybe they don't want Adam Thielen because when you're that old, even if he's had a very good season, when you're that old, a lot of front offices go by the ideology of getting a guy out of your organization a year early because if you hold on too long and then you have higher expectations for him and then that's the thing that really hurts you. So even if they leave, they have another productive season. Minnesota's experiencing this right now. It, they, they have enough wide receiver depth. 
But they could use Adam Thielen going for 650, 700 yards, whatever it might be for him. And so if you move on from him, maybe that would be the case. They also need a tight end, though. I, it's been frustrating. As a Panther fan, I'm sure the fan base feels this way, watching Greg Olson eat for so long. Anything less than 800 yards, that wasn't anything that was going to happen for Greg Olson. The three straight years with 1,000 yards. Being the top pass catcher in this offense when Cam Newton was your quarterback, and it's been a long time. Ever since he left, ever since he went to Seattle, we tried to make Tommy Tremble work. Ian Thomas, we were all really excited about for a while, but man, that's really, you know, that has not delivered whatsoever. You would love to see the tight end start to work out for this team. You certainly would. I mean, that's something that always will make your offense all the more dynamic. We saw one walking through here, Rob Gronkowski. Too bad we weren't able to get him. But when you get one of these hybrid tight ends uh, out there, and Trimble looks like he's making some strides, and I think he's a guy that you can go forward with as far as seeing what he'll be able to bring next season to build on top of what he's doing. Because I feel like when he's available, he just makes a play here or there to remind you, hey, this guy's got some talent. So could he possibly be a guy you could build around? We'll see. But if you have a chance to get a guy out there on the market or in the draft that you feel like could be one of those dynamic guys. I keep preaching about matchups. Can you find a guy that's going to be a matchup nightmare? That's the number one question Panthers brass needs to be asking themselves as they look at every skill guy that they evaluate. What kind of mismatches can this guy create? Because we want to put as much stress on a defense going forward as possible. That's what the great offenses do in the NFL. Whether you look at Philadelphia, San Francisco, Kansas City, any of these teams, they have players that dictate matchups, dictate coverages, dictate boxes. Those are the type of guys that you want to add. All right, 704-570-9610. Before we go into the final segment, I do want to give you what you came here for, and that's for answers from people that you listen along with on the most famous person they've ever peed next to, 704-570-9610. Uh, we got Morgan Freeman because they were an extra in the movie Kiss the Girls. Kyle from Maine said Jack Nicholson in the Houston airport. 704 wrote in about 20 years ago, I was in a Cracker Barrel in Lexington, North Carolina. God, I love how the sentence is starting. <laughs> and looked over to see Jack Palance. Yes. Curly from City Slickers. And he's been in a ton movie. of stuff. Not super famous, uh, but he was super badass. And so, yeah, there's one. Michael Waltrip in Uptown Charlotte. 803, not a P story, but said they watched golf with Vince Young at Benihana. That's cool. This is my yeah. favorite answer, though. Um, Kid Rock, Dale Earnhardt Jr., at the same time, then drank a few beers with them. Does it get any more south than wow. that? Wow. It does not. It does not. Kid Rock, Dale Earnhardt you Jr. You got the bonus. And then you used the bathroom, and then you guys hung out after. <laughs> I guess that's a bonus. I guess that's a bonus. It's Weston Walker. We're live from Media Row for the Army-Navy game taking place tomorrow. Kickoff at 3. We'll be there all day long. And... We were here from 12 o'clock to what's going to be three. One more segment to go from Media Row, and then we'll end it for what has been a fun end to the week. Stick around. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Ball spotted between the hashes. This is a straight-on kick. The snap from Ronnie Quarry, the holder, Randy Beggs. Beggs calling for the football. Good snap. Ball is down. The kick is up, and it is no good. No good. He missed it to the left. Army has won the ball game. The Black Knights have defeated Navy. Wearing uniforms, honoring the Army's 10th Mountain Division. The Army football team's climb to glory reaches the summit. That was Rich DeMarco, Army play-by-play announcer on the call with the game-winning call for Army in 2017 in the snow off a missed field goal to give Army the victory. We were talking about this yesterday a little bit, too. One, I'm sure it was cool for him to have that moment, but and even the win for the players, clearly. But playing in the snow, Wes, you said you were never able to do it, and we realized not. how happy you were to have not played in any cold weather like that <laughs> when it hit us in the face yesterday up here. In oh, I mean, <laughs> I remember back in the day, uh, sitting with my mom on the couch when I was in high school, and we were watching an Ohio State-Michigan game, and it was pretty cold. I think it was like in the 20s or something like that. And then my mom looked at me, and she said, yes, yeah, son, I, I couldn't see you uh, playing in that type of weather. I said, you are very much correct. I am a Southern football player. Uh, I would much rather play in extreme heat than extreme cold. And, yeah, that's just how we're rolling, man. But this cold up here, man, it's a different beast. No, it is, and we experienced that. Our guy, Roy, helped us out, giving us an advi- uh, some advice on where to eat. And the most important aspect, which he realized, he said, you don't have to go outside at all to go find the place to eat. <laughs> the Eataly. The Eataly yeah. at the back of the Prudential Center. And so that's going to be cool to go over there the and try that so out. The so good it's in this great. hotel. I'm like, what the devil am I going somewhere else to try anything else <laughs> for? But we definitely got to try at least a couple of local spots before we uh, get out of this thing. Yeah, we have time, but also we cannot tell you about what our experience has been in Boston. We can tell you all about the Westin. We can tell you about those restaurants. <laughs> we can tell you a little bit about the mall, but what we cannot tell you is about some of the historic landmarks that this city has yeah. to offer, the plethora of historic landmarks, and really any cool places to eat or drink. But in the Westin, we got you. Media Row, restaurants, <laughs> Bar 10. Big shout-out to Bar 10 for helping us out quite a bit. All right, I want to go back and give you one more history lesson on the Army-Navy game. Fiddy, if you don't mind cueing the music, thank you very much, sir. <laughs> so the USAA is unveiling a 374-pound bag of tea in front of the USS Constitution on Wednesday morning already have happened to kick off festivities for the 124th Army-Navy game and celebrate the 250th anniversary of the Boston Tea Party. Part of the reason Foxborough was chosen to host this year's game. The Army-Navy game series began in 1890 with Navy beating Army 24 to nothing. Ooh, a shutout. And has been played every year since 1930 including during World War II. They played then, but sometimes they weren't able to play. In 1894 to 1898, cancellation was rumored to have happened because of an argument between an Army general and a Navy admiral, which 
almost resulted in a duel following the 1893 game. A duel. A duel. I challenge you to a duel. I shouldn't say how awesome that is, but that also is kind of awesome. 1909, Army canceled its remaining games after a cadet died from an injury during an October game against Harvard. 1917 to 1918, during World War I, the War Department canceled the game. And 1928 to 1929, the academies could not agree on their player eligibility standards. Here is the Commander-in-Chief's trophy history as well. Just to end us here, started in 1972, the trophy is awarded to the Service Academy that wins the triple threat match between the Army, Navy, and Air Force Academies. Army and Navy will be battling for that very trophy come tomorrow at 3 p.m. All that sounds hot, all that stuff you just read off, but what is your prediction for the game tomorrow? <laughs> you said enough with American history. <laughs> history has passed us. We need to look ahead, and we need to look at what is yeah. going to take place here in this game. Yeah, both teams, five and six. I'm going to go with the Navy. I got to see them live in Charlotte. They really put it on them. Not only were they able to run the ball effectively, but they hit the big plays when they needed to. Mm. Yes, that's against Charlotte's defense. They were a little susceptible to big plays this year. But I do think that Navy having a few wins under their belt. Um, and Charlotte, their defense wasn't awful. It was just up and down. I think Navy's going to pull this one out. Well, I'm going to go in the opposite direction, okay. and not because we're trying to make this interesting radio, but because I think that Army's going to get the job done. They've had three straight victories. They beat Air Force, which puts them in position to be able to get the Commander-in-Chief trophy. I think that motivation alone is going to propel them to this win, and Army's looking to repeat as the winner for the first time since 2017 and 2018. And so this is going to be an awesome match. I can't wait for it. Bucket list moment. We'll have, I mean, the, the social media is going to be going ham, so get ready for it, guys, because we're going to have all you want and more showing you Wes and Walker and our trip to watch Army and Navy. We have so many people to thank. We have so many people to thank, starting with Wayne Peacock, the CEO and president of USAA. Also, plenty of guests, EJ Manuel, Wes's lookalike, Jacob Hester, my voice twin. They both joined us, and we really appreciate their time on on the show, not to mention Mike Buddy, the AD of West Point, Keenan Reynolds also hopping on with us. I apologize for the P story, but I still appreciate your presence on the show. Also, Alex Moore, football co-captain of Army, current Army officer. I really appreciate their time today. We have plenty of those interviews that are going to be on the website, WFNZ.com. A big shout to Justin for helping us get hooked up to the Planet Kia Studios back in Charlotte. Big shout to Fitty. And last but not least, our guy Roy. He became our family. Yes. Roy, hey, Walker I, fam. I don't know if you're allowed to do this. Can you put on the mic, though? Can you? Because this is what Roy's very professional He's been helping make sure that we are being able to connect back at the city of Charlotte and making sure all the sound levels were okay. And here he is picking up the mic. Roy, we appreciate the time, man. Have hey, it's you my pleasure. Have you had as much fun with us as we've had with you? I love this. This has been a blast. Uh, it's unbelievable how quickly three hours can go by. It did. It went by so fast that today has to be one of our fastest, if not the fastest show we've ever done. All right, let's live down memory lane for the final two minutes. What was your favorite moment with Wesson Walker <laughs> that you'll tell your kids about for those two days that you worked with us? Oh, boy, you're putting me on the spot. Um... 
honestly, just the... Uh, was it the pee conversation? The pee conversation's up there. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely unexpected. Uh, it makes for interesting radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you didn't say good, and I understand that. Yeah, well, there's a difference between interesting and good. Yeah, uh, they don't is. necessarily go together. Yes. Uh, but, but as they say, uh, it makes for entertainment. Did you enjoy Straight Fire, Roy? Yes. You did? Fire, yes. fizzle, okay. straight fire. Fire, fizzle. Yes. yes. I'm trying to think of what else we had. We had some good moments up here, man, but it was all thanks to you. Roy, we appreciate it. Roy, keep your resume I, ready, it, okay? It, yeah, so, that's what know, I'm saying. Hey. Get- and no shade to Fitty. My bad, Wes. Just no shade to Fitty. What I did mean to say, though, is usually we have Drum in spirit. Drum was an intern that used to be our research guy. Yeah. Roy, if we ever have any sound problems that are above our control, we're going to have to get Roy on it in spirit. Yeah. Just an hour and 45-minute flight to the Queen City. That's, That's right, it. baby. Let's do it. That's it. We'll get our program director to pay for it. Thanks again, Roy. <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's been Roy. a pleasure. All right. Thanks to Fitty. Fitty, you know we love you, man. Yeah, we wanted to give our know, guy, Roy, some shine. Every good quarterback needs a backup, right? Do you hate it, Fitty? Are you mad at us? Um, I mean, his name is Roy. My favorite person That's in the true. world is named Roy. It's it's hard to hate a Roy in this world. That's true. All right. There we go. That's, That's a good spear <laughs> right there. It's been a lot of fun, man. Wes and Walker. Final segment, putting a wrap on this edition of Wesson Walker, and we will be out at the Army-Navy game tomorrow. I'm sure Wes is going to be bringing you all sorts of content. You can go follow him on Twitter, at Wes Bryant underscore 72. 72, yep. And you can follow us on Wesson Walker. And Wesson Walker, yeah. Yep, at Wesson Walker, where we just recently passed uh, 1,000 followers. And last but not least, also the guy that made it all possible for us, too. Big shout to Kyle Bailey, man. Uh, this yes. is quite literally. KB. Well, howdy there, y'all. Kyle Bailey here. Howdy to you, sir. We appreciate Kyle Bailey helping Blue us out. Blue Boston Bailey. <laughs> All the bees. My the wife bees. and I have a lot of sex. That's true. That's Kyle yeah. Bailey himself, the legend. No, it, it could not have happened without him coming into the studio saying, hey, I have a trip uh, to Boston for you guys if you're interested. Wes, immediately excited. Same thing here. We were all game for it, and all these great interviews couldn't have happened without Kyle. Setting everything up. Jimmy Shapiro, too. Big shout to him. So just wanted to make sure we thanked everybody that allowed all of this to happen. Speaking of Kyle Bailey, it's him up next. Smoke Ludwig, too. Back in Charlotte. Back at the Planet Kia Studios. Stick around. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend.